to everyone this evening, and if you are a guest tonight, we want to welcome you to our Sunday evening service. Pray that you are blessed by it. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Would you stand? Praise God. Amen. You would go with me to Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 22. Won't be familiar to anyone. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. I want to preach to you tonight, Lessons from Germination, Part 2. Father, thank you for your wonderful present. Thank you for the liberty and freedom of worship we have experienced tonight. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your presence again. I pray, God, that you would speak to us again tonight, that we would hear what you would say to us. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to receive. Let our hearts be good ground for your word tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you weren't here this morning and you'd like to, then you can go back and watch the message from this morning. I will give a little bit of references to try to just bring you up to speed a little bit. But everything that God did, everything God does in nature was done intentionally to be used as an example for you and I in our walk with Him, in spiritual things, in ministry, etc. We find it from the very first chapter of the Bible that there are things that we can look at and learn spiritual application from those things that God did in creation. So this verse that I've read to you again this evening tells us that as long as the earth remains... There are going to be these seasons, there's going to be these cycles, there will be seed time and then there will be harvest, there will be cold and then there will be heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease, shall not cease. It is an ongoing cycle. That you might as well settle, you're going to go through. Anybody here tonight can attest to ever having one of those seasons of prayer over some span of time where you started to feel like, I have, I have arrived. I, I, I don't mean in an arrogant, cocky way. I don't mean it that way. 
I mean in the sense you were praying every day, you had good prayer when you prayed, there was a flow, things were happening, you were feel, and you thought, I finally have arrived. I finally have attained the prayer life that I was striving to have. Hallelujah. And gradually, but often, all of a sudden, at some point, it's like the spigot gets shut off. And you can't make yourself pray. You can't, as, as hard as you try, you can't get there. Why? Because it's not always going to be on fire. It's not always going to be in the zone. There's going to be some times when you're cold. There's going to be some times that it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. And that is God-ordained. I know some of you aren't really into athletics, but for those of us that are, they are great. And there are great analogies in athletics when it comes to our relationship with God and ministry, etc. The greatest of athletes... In all sports, go through times when they are absolutely on fire. They, it's like they can't miss. Whatever the sport is, it's, if it's basketball, whatever they throw up goes in. If it's baseball, every time they come to the plate to swing, they're getting a hit, hitting home runs. I mean, they're just in the zone. But mark it down. There's a cold streak that's coming. There's going to be some games that go by where you can't do anything right. And the question is, what do you do in those? The issue's not what you do when you're on fire. The issue's not what you do when you've got that flow. The issue is what happens when it all dries up. What do you do then? The problem is, the temptation is in those seasons to just quit and give up. Or to beat ourselves down so much because we are failing, we must have failed. I, I, I believe me. They got the singing and y'all got the worshiping and I got the thinking, Oh God, did I miss it tonight? But you know what? We were told last Sunday morning, Brother Baptiste, what a great compliment he gave us. This church knows how to war. And we do. But the problem is, as I said this morning, when things seem to fall apart or start going wrong in your life, I think the first thing we ought to do is repent or make sure there's nothing that we need to repent of. And then once you've done that, if you want to start fighting some, start fighting. But what do you do when you've repented? And what have you, what do you do when you've done all the spiritual warfare you know how to do and nothing is changing? You're not tearing down strongholds. You're not breaking chains. You're not getting a victory. What do you do then? 
Again, most of us, a couple of responses are we start going down this spiral of condemnation. We start accusing ourselves. We don't even need the devil to do it. We start doing it. And then we start to get on the verge of thinking, what is the use? Why do, why keep doing this? I'll tell you, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but those of you this morning already know this, but I'll tell you what the use is. If the repentance doesn't change anything, and you've genuinely tried to search your heart and let God search your heart, and if the warfare doesn't change anything, then you might need to just accept the fact, here's what you're supposed to be doing. What does a planted seed do? Well, I'm supposed to be praying. Yes, you are. I'm supposed to be doing this. and I, Yes, you are. But if it's seed time, and there's no rebellion, it's not carnality that's your issue, this is success. It's more success than digging yourself up and getting out of the process and aborting what God is trying to do. That's not success. Success is if I am in the season of being sown, you can't pray yourself out of that. I've told some young men, several different young men over the course of the last couple of months, I've told many of them this. You can slow down God's process of developing you. Because if you resist what He's trying to do, if, if you fight what He's working to accomplish, if, if you're not pliable in the hands of the potter, you can slow down the process. But from my perspective, there is nothing you can do to speed up the process. Because He determines the speed. Fast all you want to fast. Pray all you want to pray. It takes a certain amount of time for a planted seed to germinate and begin to grow. Biblical illustrator says this of Genesis 8.22 While the earth remaineth, there will be changes in the spiritual world. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. No one of these states continues. It comes and goes. The seasons are a perpetual procession. An endless chain, an ever-moving wheel. Such is the life. Such is this life. Such are the feelings of spiritual life with most men. Such is the history of the church of God. It will be so while the earth remaineth and we remain partakers of the earth. Yet there will be an order in it all. Cold and heat. Summer and winter, day and night, do not come in a giddy dance or tumultuous hurly-burly. That sounds very distinguished. But they make up the fair and beautiful year 
listen to this, listen, somebody hear me. Chance has no part in these affairs. Nobody's been spending the last few months going, well, I wonder what season's going to come next this year. I wonder what's going to happen after spring this year. I, I wonder if we're going to jump straight to fall, or I wonder if we're going to go back to winter. No, it's not chance. It is God-ordained. So in the spiritual kingdom, in the life of the believer, and in the history of the church of God, all things are made to work for good. And the spiritual is being educated into the heavenly. Do you want to know, to me, one of the things that's so beautiful about being a part of a body and not doing this by yourself is you can find that whatever season you're in, whether it's a good season or a bad season, there are some brothers and sisters that are in different seasons. So if you're going through a bad season or what you would consider to be a bad season, although there's no such thing as a bad season, because every season has a purpose to take us to the next season. But if you're in a season you don't like, I'll say it that way, if you're in a season you don't like, you need to look around because there's probably somebody in a season that you want to be in. And let that be an, be an encouragement to you that we're not all, although a couple of you given me feedback after this morning I'm like oh God hopefully there's a few of you that you're not in the season some of us are in <laughs> I need to hear from a few of you because I, I got several responses boy brother I thank you for that I needed that oh Lord you weren't supposed to need that I needed that But I'm quite certain if we were to poll the group tonight, we would find we're not all in individually in the same season. And that's why if you're in a season that you want to be in, when you come around brothers and sisters that are in a season they don't want to be in and you don't want to be in, don't start looking down on them and judging them for the season they're in. Because you're in a season. And one of the key characteristics of a season is that it does not last. But God ordains the seasons. That's one of the awesome things about being in multiple places as a church for the last 20 plus years. We balance each other out. There's, there's, there's ministries that are thriving and growing, and there's other ministries that are having revival. Yeah. Some of you, oh, well, aren't that, the, isn't that the same? No, because a lot of times revival is subtraction. Harvest is addition. Revival can be subtraction. Because revival gets you down to the core that's committed and sold out and believing and trusting and available for God to do. And so when we've got multiple ministries, we can have different ministries in different seasons. But everybody needs to understand the season that I'm in will change. Because as long as the earth remains... It will not cease. Again, as I said this morning, when we think of seed 
In a spiritual context, I think usually the first place we go to is the parable of the sower and the four types of ground. And in that parable, Jesus very clearly states that the seed in that parable is the Word of God. But Jesus also says this in Matthew 13 and verse 38, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So Jesus also says that you and I are seed. And so what do you do with seed? You plant it. You plant it because in that seed there is potential for some kind of a harvest. It may be just some flowers or it may be vegetables. It may be some kind of fruit. But in that seed there is potential to produce something. But here's also something we got to make sure we don't forget. In every season of reaping, in that season of reaping, what is also happening is new seed for a new season. Oh, Jesus. So while you're enjoying the reaping that you're in, you need to understand the reaping is God is also generating new seed because in your life individually, He's going to plant you again. And the seed from this wonderful season is going to be a part of what produces the next great season. If you do it right with every season, you can have more seed for the next season. And so what you have the potential of doing is every harvest can be greater than the last one. Everything that happens in the future can build off of the past. But the only way to have a greater harvest is seed has got to be sown again. So until you breathe your last breath or the trumpet sounds and we're out of here, you individually are going to go through times where God's going to put you under and bury you in a very dark place but it's all about sowing for another harvest read these verses this morning I want to read them again tonight Job 23 and verse 1 then Job answered and said even today is my complaint bitter my stroke is heavier than my groaning oh that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. These next couple of verses are a description of what it feels like when you are in a season that God is planting you. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I can see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I can't find him, but he knows the spot where he planted me. 
I'm searching everywhere for him and can't find him, but he knows exactly where he planted me. And so he knows where to water and he knows where to fertilize. He knows where to nurture because he knows where I am. This to me, what Job went through was God was sowing him. As I said this morning, those of you that weren't here last week at meet, Bishop was talking about seed and water and light and all that and the need of light and water for the growing of a seed. And I started looking in a little bit to germination and, and what happens when you sow the seed. And when you sow the seed in the process of germination for a lot of seeds, they don't need sunlight. They need darkness. Yes, there are some seeds that are okay with sunlight. Again, grass seed being one of them. You scatter grass seed on the ground and it's not buried and it grows and produces. But there's a lot of seeds that they've got to be completely submerged. They've got to spend a season of darkness. Every time it's planted... It's got to spend a season of darkness. Is there anybody tonight that could testify that some point in the last little while you feel like you've come through a season of darkness? A couple of you. That is so awesome. That is fantastic. I'm going to prophesy to you tonight. That was not the last season of darkness. This isn't negative, folks. It's positive. It's positive because, first of all, if we're not careful, we are waiting for the, to get to the final season of darkness. And then from then on, it's all good until Jesus comes. Not gonna happen. But if you and I can accept that and trust that, then the next time the season of darkness comes, maybe we can embrace it a little bit differently. And once we've done those things that I've referenced, we've repented, we've tried to fight the devil and bind him in Jesus' name and it hasn't worked. Instead of spending the next couple of months questioning and doubting everything, we can just make peace with, well, I guess it's seed time again. I guess we've gotten everything out of that harvest we were supposed to get out of it. And here we go again. But I've been planted again so that there can be a harvest again. To me, Job 23 and especially those last three verses are a description of Job being planted. What was it that was planted? What was the seed that got planted? We go to Job chapter 1 and verse number 1. You want to talk about some good seed. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camel, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred burden-bearing animals, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Brother Vernell, you, you, you've done some farming through the years. 
You planted some things. Are you ever concerned about the quality of the seed? No? Well, that backfired. Let me try you, Brother McGuckian. <laughs> when you ever gone to plant some grass seed, I, I think you're going to help me a little bit better than Brother Spriggs did because I've gotten some advice from you. Do you ever take time to consider the seed? Yeah. There's stuff they call contractor grade seed, right? That stuff sort of grows anywhere, right? But it's not necessarily a long-lasting, beautiful lawn. It does work for a little while. But there's some other seed that costs a little bit more. Because it's a different quality. You want to talk about some quality seed. Upright, feared God, resisted, ran from evil. One of the other translations says. The greatest man of the East. But God wasn't finished with Job. That was chapter 1. Chapter 2, or really starting the end of chapter (laughs) 1. The ground gets dug up. And the seed gets buried. And if that wasn't enough in chapter 1, more dirt gets added in chapter 2. The enemy comes back and says, well, you know what, if you'll just let me go a little farther, I'll get Job. God says, go ahead. Touch his body, but you can't take his life. Pour on the dirt, because I'm going to sow so that I can get a harvest. Read what happens at the end of the book of Job. All of those things that he had at the beginning... God doubled. Everything he lost, God gave back. But there was a dark time of burial that he had to go through from chapter 1 to get to chapter 42, in which is my favorite verse of the Bible, verse 5. And Job says, I heard of you with my ears, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I preach to some people in this place tonight. You know what it's like to live in and go through some really dark times. But it is through those times that your eyes are open to a fresh new revelation of who God is, of what God is, of what God can do. But you've got to be buried for a while. You've got to feel the weight and the pressure and the darkness because that's the circumstances that God chooses to cause the seed to begin to live. I'm going to just again for the sake of those that weren't here this morning, I'm not going to go in as much depth with the germination stuff as I did this morning, but... Once again, germination occurs when a seed comes out of dormancy and grows its primary root and shoot. Light isn't strictly necessary for germination in most plant species. However, some seeds germinate best in absolute 
darkness. And others perform well with continuous sunlight. Light does become vital for every species after germination because the initial sprout will not survive if it cannot reach a light source. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you when it comes to God's seeds, there's none of them that need sunlight to start with. You might as well mark it down that every time God plants you for a new season, you got to have to have some darkness to germinate that seed. There's going to be some lonely times. There's going to be some, there's going to be some difficult days. There may be some times you'd label it depression. Again, as I said this morning, can you imagine what it would be like if a seed had the feelings and emotions that you and I have? Get stuck down in the ground and covered up. Wait a minute, what are you doing to me? What's going on here? Why are you burying me? Because that's the only way for what's on the inside of you to be able to grow and come out. I, I, want, you to, I want you to watch if there was anyone that should or could be able to avoid this process. Jesus would be that one. But listen to what he says in verse in John 12 and 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The Message Bible says it this way, listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat, but if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Then the New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. A kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies. But until it's planted and dies, it cannot produce new life. I got a packet of seeds that are in a basket on the left side bottom shelf of my desk that have been there for I don't know how many years. They were from, they were, I used them as an object lesson in a, in a uh, message several years ago. There's no flowers sprouting out of the basket. Because the seed hasn't been put in the right place to produce. Oh yeah, some of you, 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 you're in that place. But you know what? I didn't say this this morning, but I feel maybe it's somebody that wasn't here this morning. There's some of you that he's trying to get you out of the package. And bury you. And you're fighting it. 
Yeah. You got it all figured out. You've got your way. The only way to escape that process is to be fake. The only way to avoid the burial and look like a plant is to be a fake plant. But if you're going to be genuine and something genuine be produced from your life, you're going to have to let the farmer of farmers take you out of the package and put you in some uncomfortable places and get you in the position and then begin to do the things that are going to cause there to be some germination that comes. I don't know who you are and it doesn't really matter, but I feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. There's somebody, at least one person, that that's where you are right now. You are resisting the planting and if you resist the planting whatever's been reaped from your life so far is going to be the extent you're going to have to fall into the ground again and die all over again nevertheless not my will but your will be done not what I want not how I want it not where I want it not when I want it but if you're trying to bury me God put me where I need to be in the exact circumstances I need to be in so that what you have put on the inside of me can blossom into what you have intended. You got to be buried. You got to die. Jesus said that. He wasn't just talking to everybody else. He said in Matthew 12 and verse number 40, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Thirty years of living and now a couple of years of ministry in those three years or so of ministry, blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, multitudes fed by a few fish and a few pieces of bread, walking on the water, raising the dead, delivering those that were possessed. What more do you want? I mean, surely He arrived. But He said, Unless the Son of Man fall into the ground and die, He's going to abide alone. Even Jesus had to be sown. Even Jesus had to be buried so that there would be germination. Oh, hallelujah. Even... God in the flesh 
had to go through the process. I preach to some people tonight that you've seen some great things happen already through your life. You've seen God use you in some great ways. But God's got a tomb for you. And God's going to bury you again. Because everything you've been through, every, every wonderful thing God has done to this point, if the seed doesn't get buried again, it's going to abide alone. Or it's not going to reach its ultimate potential. I've said for years, when it comes, I guess, in the context of God calling people to ministry, there is, there's this pattern that God has. And that is, He gives you a taste. But usually long before it's time to have it. I'll give you an example, maybe more than one, but I'll give you at least one example. The children of Israel come out of Egypt. They come through the Red Sea. God miraculously delivers them from Egypt. And they get out in the wilderness and they get ready to face their first battle. And Moses says to Joshua, You go pick out the men and you lead the charge to fight this battle. Joshua does that, and we know the whole story is when Moses was up on the mountain with his hands up, they were victorious. When his hands got tired and he dropped them, they started losing, and then Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, and then Joshua, and they were all victorious. You know what that was that day? It was a taste for Joshua. I just, I imagine Joshua laying down on his bed that night, not able to go to sleep as the adrenaline was still there and rethinking that day and what had happened. And man, I, I, I'm the one that led the charge and I'm the one that Moses gave the authority to lead the way. Man, here we go. No, Joshua, you got 40 years. Before you get there. All that was. Was a taste. And now that you got that taste. You're about to be buried. You can watch all throughout scripture. I don't, it wasn't as long for Elisha, but it was similar for Elisha. He's out there plowing behind the yoke of oxen and Elijah comes along and throws the mantle on him and he recognizes something in that mantle and he he, he goes and gets rid of all that stuff and tells Elijah, I'm coming after you and he begins to follow him, but he didn't get that mantle right away. He had to spend time serving. He had to spend some time being tested. He had to spend some time where Elijah says to him, I'm getting ready to go someplace else, but you stay here. Some folks can't make it if they're not getting all kind of encouragement and pampering and petting to keep them going. What in the world would you do with an Elijah? Stay here. I'm going someplace else. You stay here. I'm leaving. 
Some of us would be like, okay, yes, sir, he doesn't want me anymore. He doesn't love me. Not Elisha. No, sir, I didn't leave all that behind just to get to this point. I didn't destroy all of those oxen and all of those instruments just to get right here. I'm going all the way. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some challenging days. There's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some times of discouragement. But I'm going to get through this process because there's going to be a day where Elijah's going to be taken up. And on that day, that mantle's going to fall. And this time, it's not just going to be on my shoulders for a moment but this time I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to go stand back at the same waters that Elijah stood at and I'm going to ask where is the God of Elijah and I'm going to smoke the waters and when I do it that time it's going to be God working in me not working through Elijah but Elisha would have never gotten there if he hadn't have been willing to be buried for a little while Here's, here's part of our problem, though. One of the, one of the most, not, I, I hate to say it this way because all Scripture is important, but one of the most important Scriptures that you and I need to get a hold of, the Apostle Paul says we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. We don't judge ourselves by ourselves. There's people in this congregation tonight that if all you do is look at them in a church service, if that's all you know of them, you think they're never buried. You see them drive up in a nice car, wearing nice clothes, worshiping, responding, ministering, and you think, boy, they always got it good. It's always good for them. Look at what they got. Look at what they It's all... Uh, you see, God doesn't bury us all the same way. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. God doesn't bury us all with the same dirt. You know, there's different types of soil in different places that's good for different kinds of things. You don't grow the same thing everywhere automatically. You got to have the right soil. And God knows the kind of soil in your life that is needed. And so He may use one set of circumstances to bury somebody, and He may use a completely set of circumstances. And you better not judge others because you can't see how God has buried them. Because rest assured, God is no respecter of persons. And there's those of you that are on the other side of that. You want to get up with a banner and tell everybody because you feel like everybody thinks everything's wonderful in your life and you're going through hell. We don't get to choose the dirt He buries us in.
God, God, apparently, I don't know if I'm not asking for it to change. I, I don't think one way is really ultimately better than it. I mean, buried is buried ultimately. What I would say up until this point at 49, Brother Ellenberger, my dad, <laughs> to this point in life, the majority of what I've been through that I've been buried in, Brother Middleton, Nobody knows, nobody sees. You got to trust that God knows. Some of you are as healthy as can be. I mean, if you're an adult and you don't have some degree of pain somewhere, that's not normal. But there's some of you, you don't have any significant, you don't have any real health issues. Overall, things are decent. There's others of you here tonight, you can't catch a break. It's one thing after the other physically. The problem is we can get to looking at each other. Man, I'd like his dirt. I wish God would bury me. Well, that'd be a nice way to be buried. No, no, because burial produces the same thing for all of us. God knows exactly what each one of us need. So you got to have confidence, trust. You also gotta can't worry about everybody else and what they think. <laughs> no, you don't get to go on Facebook and tell everybody what the dirt you're buried in is. I'm tell there there there's a few I I I have a decent idea. There's a few people I I could look I'm I couple I've just in the last moment it popped into my mind as I've scanned this auditorium there's some people that if you're just looking right now yeah well I know they're oh no you don't know no you don't let me tell you something you can't think your way there you can't rationalize your way there. You can't produce it. You've got to just get in the ground and die. But if you will, if you will, you will bring forth not just fruit. You will bring forth much fruit. Much fruit. Different seeds take different lengths of time to germinate. Some germinate quicker than others and you begin to see the results. Others, you start to wonder, am I ever going to see anything? Is anything ever going to happen? It will. But you got to trust the seed. You got to trust the timing. You've got to trust the process. 
What's the scripture say? Let patience have what? Let patience have her perfect work. What did Paul say? Paul talks about the armor of God, right? What do you do with armor? You fight with it. You go to battle with it. Paul's helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, and all these, all these pieces of armor that you put on to fight. But then what does he say after all of that? <laughs> Having done all. <laughs> he says stand, but I'll... <laughs> Having done all to lay, lay therefore... He didn't say after you fought with all that armor, keep on fighting. Sometimes all you need to do and sometimes all you can do is just stand. You just got to stand. I, if I got to qualify everything I'm saying tonight, then, then, then that's, that's ridiculous. Sometimes you may not pray, just stand. Sometimes you may not have what it takes to even lift a hand in praise and worship, but just stand. No, I don't mean physically. Again, said it this morning, but Jesus, after teaching to the crowd and some disciples, they weren't just the crowd. There was some people that had been following him because they were now classified as disciples and they began to walk away. And Jesus looks at the twelve disciples and says to them, will you go also? Peter responds and says, Lord... Where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Folks, God is not just one of many fast food restaurants. If you don't like Burger King, go to McDonald's. If you don't like McDonald's, go to Wendy's. If you don't like Wendy's, go to Five Guys. If you don't like Five Guys, go to, what is it? BGR, whatever that is. Go, just go pick. God, God's restaurant is not a buffet. And there are no menus. He determines what you're served. It's not up to you to choose. It's not up to you to tell Him what you want and how you want it. He decides. Oh, if some of you would just make up your mind tonight. Lord, I've got nowhere else to go. i got no other options. If staying buried doesn't cause the, the germination to take place and for life to sprout forth, then I'm just going to stay dead. Because you know what? Staying dead is buried and buried is a better option than digging yourself up and nothing happening. There's also a few of you here tonight. You've gone through the process of letting him bury you. But then you changed your mind and dug your way back out. 
You've initially submitted to being sown as a seed. But you didn't feel anything. You couldn't see anything. And you aborted the process. There's some of you here tonight, you're buried and you're in that season where the germination has taken place, whether you've recognized it yet or not. But there's some of you here tonight, God is once again wanting to plant you. He's wanting to plant you. That's not punishment. That's not disapproval. It's not because He's angry with you. It's because He knows that in that seed there are some things that He has intended to bring about from that seed. Bow your heads if you would. I'm gonna I'm gonna open this altar. Whatever whatever the part of the process that you may be in right now. Whatever part of the process that you may be in. In fact, you know what? I you can you can keep your heads bowed. You can look back up for a second if you want. There's a couple of you here tonight. Things have not gone quite the way I'm talking about ministry and walk with God. They haven't gone quite the way you expected them. The enemy has tried to come in with discouragement and disappointment. Try to convince you that you missed it. Or you didn't miss it, but it's just never going to happen. You might as well just give up. Can I tell you tonight, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Be not weary in well doing for in due season I'm going to paraphrase it if you would permit me for in due season you're going to sprout if you don't get dug up you didn't miss it God didn't fail you you didn't make a mistake You just overlooked. There's a process. There's some planting that's got to take place. There's some seasons of darkness that you're going to go through. But on the other side of that, there's going to be much fruit. So again, if you'd bow your heads, I... Wherever you're at in that process, I feel like there's there's a few of you here tonight. You just you need you just need to make a fresh commitment tonight.
God, if it's seed time and it's planting time, plant me. Whatever depth I've got to be put under the soil, plant me, God. If I've got to be in total darkness for a while so that the seed can begin to germinate, plant me, God. Plant me, God. Give me the grace to not abort the process. Give me the grace, God, to remain where you buried me and let the work of the germination, the seed beginning to produce, take place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. I feel like there's somebody here tonight that where you're at is once again saying yes to even being buried, to even being planted. I don't know who you are, but somebody here tonight, you've been resisting. God is wanting to plant you again. God's wanting to plant you all over again. Because what you've experienced as harvest wasn't the completion. It wasn't the culmination. But that's supposed to be the seed for a new season. The seed for another harvest. Come on, you can do it right where you're sitting. But I just I feel like there's a few more of you that you need to make the step of coming down to this altar as a part of the act of presenting yourself to the Lord tonight as a part of a demonstration more than just your words, God. I'm bringing myself. I'm giving myself. Plant me, God. Plant me, God. If I'm already planted, then let the process have its work. Add the amount of moisture. Water the seed to the degree it needs to be watered. Give me the oxygen that I need to the degree I need it so that this seed can reach the place of germinating and becoming what you've intended for it to be. Oh God, if I'm in a place where I just need to be still, I've been sown, so I need to just be still. Give me the grace to just be still. Give me the grace to not give in to the pressure of feeling like I've got to just do something to earn something. I've got to do something to prove to everybody I'm okay. God, if you've got me in a place of stillness, help me to embrace the stillness. I'll say this again as well. Some of you, God's done some great things already in your life. You've already seen God do some wonderful things through you. But that wasn't the culmination. That's new seed for another harvest. That's new seed for another dimension. But once again, you've got to yield to the process. 
I know we can remember what those previous seasons are like. I know we can remember what those dark times in the past were like. And therefore, it's easy to resist them. It's easy to not want to go there again. But the only way I can get to the new harvest is I've got to be planted again. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you don't need to respond for yourself, then again tonight, would you be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of the Lord? If there's somebody God puts on your heart to pray with, to minister to, would would you do that? Come on, if you need to respond for yourself, then stay right there. If God's talking to you, Respond in the name of Jesus. My flesh doesn't want to be planted again. My flesh doesn't want to go through the darkness again, God. My flesh doesn't want to go through all the turmoil and struggles and the hurt and the pain and the difficulties. But God, that's the process. And so once again, not my will, but your will be done. Once again, God, whatever you choose, whatever the circumstances you want to use, God, here I am, not my will, but your will be done. My flesh doesn't want the process again. My flesh doesn't want to go through it again. But there's something down inside of me, God, that cries out to you. Whatever you've got to do, whatever it takes, God, I want that to be done. Because I don't want to just bear fruit, but I want to bear much fruit. Let me fall into the ground and die as many times as is necessary so that the harvest that you have from my life can be produced. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody needs to make peace tonight. You're not where you are because you failed. You're not where you are because you've messed up. You're not where you are because God is punishing you. You're right where you are because with faith and confidence God has planted you. He has intentionally planted you because of what He's going to produce through you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, if you had to go through that process, God, if even you had to go through that process, There's no way that I can avoid it. There's no way that I can get by without going through it. So God, I pray the same thing you prayed in the garden. (laughs) If it's possible, I don't want to have to be buried again. If it's possible, I don't want to have to be sown again. 
But nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done so that the harvest you have in my life can be produced. Not my will, Lord. I've got my way. I want it done. I've got my preferences for how it goes. But I lay that aside and I surrender. I surrender, God. I yield myself. Bury me as deep as you know I need to be buried. Put me as deep into the soil as I need to be put. Put me there for as long as I need to be there. So that everything you put with inside of me, everything you've intended to come from me can happen. Ramashataya. Come on, it's 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 pretty early compared to when we normally get out of service. So would you just would you not be in a hurry for the next few moments and allow the spirit of the Lord to do in you what he's wanting to do right now? Harabo sheki andalaramasataya Ikaye mando robo seye araraboko si amanda rabahaya Ay araraboko she andararaboko ikarata bahaya In Jesus name in Jesus name Not my will, Lord. Not my way, Lord. Not the process that I would choose. It's your will. Your way. Your process. Your timing. Your timing, God. Your timing. Arabo sekie aramando lobo sheki alaramo sataya. Elamando robo koye aramanda yalorobo satarabahai. Nicaramando robo ye alarabo sikaramanda yalarabo satabahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray that the voice of condemnation would be silenced. I pray that the voice of condemnation would be silenced. The voice of the enemy that tries to tell us we are where we are because we failed, because we've messed up, because... You're disappointed in us. You're unhappy with us. God, let that voice be silenced and let us know with confidence that we're where we are because you planted us there. 
you put us in the position we're in because of your purpose for our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I trust in the power of the seed. I trust in the power of what you've planted, God. That it will produce. The enemy can't stop it. The enemy can't thwart it from being done. Only thing that can prevent that seed from producing is me, God. So I commit to you tonight to stay where you planted me. To allow that process to take as long as you choose. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.